Hello, this is Charlie Clamos, co-host along with Freya Kier of Fanfara Tetetet, where we have conversations, build connections and establish links with all the people crossing Fanfara's path. For this episode, we spoke to artist, writer and dominatrix Reba Mabry in advance of her participation in a series of events Fanfara co-curated with Nexus as part of the B-Channel series, which was in turn timed to coincide with the launch of the third issue of Nexus, available on nexus.world and featuring an essay from Reba. More details of this series can be found in the ninth episode of Tititet, featuring Caroline Berman and Juliette Lizot from Nexus. The conversation with Reba was recorded the day before the B-Channel event, way back in February. As it suggests, it ended up falling by the wayside due to a busy schedule for our Fanfara Inc. side project, episodes for which can also be found on our SoundCloud. Now, taking advantage of the relative summer lull, we've managed to finish it off. In addition to songs selected by Reba, we'll play short excerpts from the reading she gave from her novel Dining with Humpty Dumpty, the full recording of which can be found in the show notes, along with links to the other songs and clips featured throughout this episode. With that preamble out of the way, we can turn to the conversation, which starts with me indulging in a bit of homesickness and asking Reba what she notices about contemporary British society when she's away from the country. You lived in other countries, like um, I spent a lot of time in New York. So I could, okay. so I, I verged on living in New York. You know, okay. spent three months at a t- time there. Yeah, um, do you, like, do you think that does that help? Like, make comparisons with, you know, like, do, can you, do you have the benefit of like homesickness to sort of, yeah, understand your country? I miss like a British sense of humour. Sure. <laughs> when I'm in America I think you know I think a British sense of humor is a really particular thing and in America oh. I've certainly had a lot of uh, s- instances where I think people have thought that I've been really cruel when I've just been sarcastic yeah. <laughs> or I've, I've been kind of interested in the absurd yeah. and then people have seen you know I've had people being really shocked by my sense of humor or just not get it at all and that's something I really really miss yeah um, I think it, yeah I mean yeah. It, it, a lot of things get lost I mean yeah in in the Netherlands I feel the same a little bit you know like there's I guess there's just subtleties to to there's gradations to your emotional expression mm, mm. that like just go completely under the it's funny things like there's just not as much of a variety of vocabulary for the the Dutch don't have so much so like not they a big can't, language and I guess they yeah no I mean I, I don't want to complain too much about my adopted country but like it, it does have a certain like um, paucity of like proper ways of kind of expressing um, uncertainty or a yeah, desire yeah, yeah, not yeah. to do things <laughs> so like you know I'm quite into darkness in a sense of humour right and I think a lot of Americans really can't understand that because mm. there's there's so much darkness you know America's such a sick society that I think having a dark sense of humour the com- America's too young to um, I mean some Americans certainly do but for a lot of Americans it's it's too taboo to kind of laugh at their own horrors where I think in England and Britain uh, you know uh, the inequalities and the kind of construct of the country being built on imperialism is so evident that we can kind of laugh at it because there's almost been enough time and it's mutated into different things but you know how old is America it's really only about 150 years old isn't it yeah it hasn't really let certain big things constituencies so ex- yeah. in their country actually be considered Americans right yeah Alive. We could walk into the dawn, make 
I just wonder, like, I mean, having not been in the UK for quite a while, like, I, I obviously go there and stuff and talk mm. to people and stuff. But like, have you noticed, like, a mood change? Kind of because a lot of things have happened, right? Like, in the, yeah, like in two, three years, like. Well, I think, you know, being in London is a bubble, especially my life. You know, it's like I have this really nice kind of bourgeois creative lifestyle. No financial security whatsoever. But, you know, I, I have a really luxurious time in comparison to most people who are really being hit by the Conservative government. I mean, the Conservative government aren't fucking me over now. But, you know, I don't have any family savings or any family who own houses or, a, you know, a pension scheme. So I think in the future you know if someone in my family gets really ill and the NHS goes I mean that's going to fuck me over but for now things that are actually you know very comfortable for me so it's difficult for me to say how has it changed because I, I do live in this strange bubble of being this kind of model intellectual hybrid where I just get to experience really amazing things but you know I I but there is, a, there is a change, and I think so much of it's to do with the internet, where people can become very apathetic and misguided by what's really happening. Or, you know, um, it's like, it, it's algorithms, isn't it? How um, It's a really strange time, because if I think of what I was like 10 years ago when I was 17, 18, I feel like I was angrier then than I am now. And I don't know if it's because I've got jaded because I'm a responsible, independent adult, or if it's because the way we we internalise information has changed. But, you know, I, I was lucky enough to grow up under Labour, and even though Labour did fucking terrible things, schools weren't going under, and the NHS walls didn't, you know, the hospital walls didn't need repainting. So, I don't know. I mean, the mood has definitely changed, but, I mean, where do we even begin to speak about it? Because it's so grim. Humphrey was sitting alone at the end of the almost empty diner, inside a red pleather booth and next to a large window with a view of the shopping centre at rush hour. My high heels landed loudly on the black and white tile floor and he froze when he heard me before lifting his head to watch me walk towards him. The waiters played on their phones. As he watched me approach, he seemed instantly panicked but it was hard to work out whether this look of anxiety was simply the natural disposition of his frail facial features or not. Humphrey's eyes looked as if they might ever so slightly want to pop out of his face. Facing him, I began to unbutton my coat in silence before I sat down. He wasn't sure whether to get up or greet me. So for a moment, he levitated his body in an awkward motion before resting again and mumbling vague greetings. When did you move to London? Again? 2009. And that's, you know, the Tories got in in 2010. So it has been a total bubble. And I think it would be ridiculous for me to think of it in any other way. But I think that it does get to a point where you feel like you have to not be apathetic, but it is so depressing what the Conservative government are doing. There's only so much you can take sometimes. But I don't, I don't have any right to be depressed because, you know, I'm not in Yarlswood. I'm not on hunger strike. I'm not in the Calais, Calais jungle. You know, my life's incredibly comfortable. And the only, you know, it's like what I said before, the only things that is going to affect are things potentially in the future. But <clears throat> it's just working. I think also how media's being 
being run is it's they it's very easy for things to be dodged like do you remember i mean you weren't in london but i remember like four months ago or something there was this like massive fucking stress in the online because apparently uber was going to be stopped in london and uber hasn't stopped i can't help but think that was just a way for us to all be distracted about what was really happening yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, that really struck a nerve and i thought actually something some terrible fucking laws about to be passed but i think things are actually going to get darker because theresa may was very dark but jacob Rees mogg the potential next conservative leader is truly prehistoric um yeah, just for some context for uh, our um, mostly Amsterdam audience as a yeah he's like, yeah go on Theresa May the Prime Minister right now yeah probably people know that I think hopefully people but do know that Jacob but Rees-Mogg is a uh, backbench MP which means he's not part of the government he uh, is um, affectionately known as the right honourable member for the 19th century which is a way of sort of putting him I suppose in terms of the way he his mannerisms and, and I think it kind of it it trivialises what is like his true n- desire not an exclusively Victorian attitude but but more a kind of modern very very like uh, like neoliberal kind of painfully neoliberal yeah a very kind of unpleasant set of but ideas he's, so he's sort of homophobic yeah. eugenicist sort of um, oh he doesn't believe in abortion even under rape yeah you know he's got six children the last one's called Sixtus. We couldn't even make that name up. But he's truly emblematic of Very the class system. Very worth watching videos of him. Maybe we should cut one in. Um, what are your views on same-sex marriage? Well, Is that something you support? I'm a Catholic, and I take the teaching of the Catholic Church seriously. Well, there's plenty of Catholics and, who support faith same-sex morals. marriage. Um, but marriage is a sacrament, mm. and the decision of what is a sacrament lies with the church, not with parliament. What's your view of abortion? I'm completely opposed to abortion. Life begins at the point of So why are, you un- why are you prepared to say you're opposed to abortion but and not opposed to the, the same-sex marriage? But because it's a completely different um, kettle of fish. With um, same-sex marriage, mm. that is something that people are doing for themselves. With abortion, it is something that is done to the unborn child. Are you completely opposed to abortion in all circumstances? Um, Yes, I am. Rape and incest? Sexual violence? I'm afraid so. Really? Life is sacrosanct and begins at the point of conception. I mean, I grew up near Oxford, so I was surrounded by people who really did inhabit Kind of, um, some were aristocrats, and it's it's yeah. only then that you realise how strange Britain is as a country that we have these divisions and people. And Jacob Rees-Mogg is is such a perfect example of how bizarre Britain is as a country, yeah. because his life and his inheritance and his lineage and his blood is so infused with absolute horror and hatred for the poor. It's quite unbelievable. And now he's a uh, running to be potentially our next leader of the country. Yeah, so, like, he, he could... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, yeah, no, that is, that is pretty But I am dark. an optimist. It's fucking horrible what's happening right now. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot worse for a, a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. I, um... True, but that will always be the case also I think so I mean like you saying before for instance that you are not allowed to be depressed about this because of the nice conditions that you're living mm. in right now I do think that I mean it is also very depressive observing oh it's terrifying other things but I think but I think you know it's it, 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 you kind of have to get to a point in your life where it is totally fucking terrifying like you know I've, you know, I've, I watched, I've, you know, 
I'm not from a family from money. I don't, you know, I have no inheritance, nothing. You know, I've got no security whatsoever. And that is really fucking terrifying. You know, I watched my parents go bankrupt in the house I grew up in get repossessed. And, you know, having a parent who doesn't have a pension and the other parents passed away and no one owns a house, that's when things become really stark, right? And it's like, there is, you know, if I can't pay my rent, it's been like this since I was 18, no one is going to do it. I don't have any family that I can borrow any money off. So in a way, it's like, yes, I'm depressed about what's happening, but it gets to a point, if I feel sorry for myself, I'm not going to get anything done. So I have to keep positive and people have it much fucking worse. Mm. And um, That was kind of like, definitely a tonally something of a theme in the text we read right yeah that, that like uh, as well that do you have a right to you know speak as a kind of um uh you know someone who you know has inequality um, yeah yeah has faced kind of um the like sh- sharp side of inequality yeah or that kind of thing but like, then my life's you know seemingly comfortable but it, for but now it, but, anyway. then it, but then it also feeds into like this this problem with like a kind of competitive thing of like you know who's who's more downtrodden or you know where but that's how we live now it's like it is just it is this like strange metaphor for capitalism isn't it it's like how we compete against each other yeah it's like well you know under capitalism it's like how much can we say we don't have but i think that's just what white people do i don't black people don't do it do you know what i mean but what you know it's white guilt isn't it that you know people have to feel they have to define themselves as having less, so they don't have to feel as much of the guilt because, you know, the world is built on... You know, the world that we live in right now is built on the fucking terrible things white people have done. He is incredibly hungry this evening, and he has a huge appetite. So he would love to have the double cheeseburger with bacon and a fried egg. I paused and peered at him before finishing my sentence. Oh, but it's essential that he has extra fries. And we can't forget extra onion rings to go with that. I prolonged the X sound every time I said extra. And I think we're going to have to get a side of baked beans to go with that too, I exclaimed. I examined the back of the menu and took my time choosing his next order. To go with that, he's also going to have a chocolate milkshake. I inspected the menu for another five seconds. The waitress began to look a little confused. We really can't forget to add malt to the milkshake, and he's going to have an extra large Coca-Cola too. However, I'm nowhere near as hungry as him. So I'll just be sensible and have a green salad and a mineral water, please. (laughs) The waitress left, clearly confused over why I'd ordered for him. And Humphrey instantly said, Thank you, Mistress Rebecca. Those were wonderful choices. Um, We did think about some questions, though. I had this, like, long... Get it out. Yeah, it's a little bit long. Not it out. I'm ready. So, yeah, okay. You can take a fic in between if you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I did, right? But I, I didn't get a chance I'm, to ask. I've forgotten have. how you eat figs. You just eat it? Do you just eat it? You, you don't, don't really you eat don't... figs in England, do we? No, <laughs> there's not. I think it's such a, somehow not a such an odd fruit for, for this cold weather. They're very yonic, aren't they? So, is that Greek? Yonic. Yeah. It's like, it's like the female version of phallic. Okay. Ah, okay. Like a, look, they're like vaginas, aren't they? <laughs> It's also such a pretty fruit, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's long because I, I needed to get it right. Like, in one of the, your videos, you talk about the fact that you're not just in your, like, work practice as a dominatrix, but, like, as in your writing practice, 
and as a teacher that all of it involves a sort of dynamic of doming you're saying yeah. right now that's the first bit um so but like i uh, like i'm moonlight as a writer actually i that's what i get paid to do so i shouldn't say a moonlight um <laughs> I so I, I mean like I particularly agree with the writing thing, particularly because I I'm not a dominatrix and I am not a teacher either. So I yeah, but maybe that would happen if I did become either of those things. Um, such a long question. Um, just say it and we can just go for it. Yeah, you're um, also stretching. No, but I really related to to that the writing thing, like this sense of like you write something and it's like you're in control and you've got the complete yeah like argument. But I you you I should say your facial expression there was very like you like that yeah. aspect, right? I didn't, and this is why I like moved slightly towards conversations, right? It's because I quite liked. But I think it's quite funny. Having that that space of control when writing. Yeah, no, I, I I get that. Like, I I do like the fact that you're in like in complete control of what. I think it was exhausting though, having to fashion and almost like tie up all the loose ends of you know you you had to have a, like a logically coherent thing like yeah. to to make it make a point. What I prefer about this and what I why I find it slightly more socialistic, I suppose. Mm like how it corresponds to my politics is that yeah there's loose ends there's disagreement and I think it it's kind of it's not all about well, just one person yeah and I the dynamic of I I it's a bit of a loaded term but master slave I suppose mm. like it to me to me anyway I associate it quite heavily with like the kind of and my knowledge of this is quite quite shallow but like um like with the kind of capitalism and schizophrenia kind of continuum that goes through like what we see as capitalism right mm. that you know there's 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 one person who dominates and then there's the rest who kind of now like with all that preamble i i kind of wonder how like you know yeah how does the kind of role of dominatrix kind of um, relate to your politics, I suppose. Like, how do you make it work for the fact that obviously you can, you say you're a self-described socialist mm. you know, um, and I, breathe. I, <laughs> well, I think being a dominatrix is just like any job. What's the difference between being a dominatrix and an art director or a graphic designer or a gallerist? You know, when you are doing a job for someone, you have control at that moment. You're doing someone a task, you're giving someone a service. You know, if you get commissioned as a graphic designer to make something, you're giving that person a service, right? When a man wants me to dominate them, I'm giving them a service. So in terms of, I mean, for me politically, I'm only interested in dominating heterosexual white men because one, they have more guilt. So it's more enjoyable to dominate them and trying to get inside their psyche. And it's funnier. Um, and I think in, I think everyone deserves to enjoy sex. And we live in a society where there's so much shame involved with sex still. So if a man comes to me and is honest about wanting to be submissive, I think that's something that needs to be celebrated because they're not just interested in, you know, under the, our capitalist lives of, you know, having a nine-to-five job, marrying, having missionary sex the rest of your life. Life is about enjoying it as much as you can. And 
we're taught that sex has to be very black and white and it's not. So if this is a question about equality and domination, the domination ends. It doesn't last forever. Mm. It's a game. It, it, you know, it's, it's something you turn on and off. I'm not a dominatrix all the time. I go home yeah, and I'm yeah. a very different person. But I'm a fantasy as well. And, you know, fantasy and socialism are two different things. He had told me online that he was aiming to lose mobility from feeding, that he was willing to relocate for this goal, and that it was only through a sadistic woman controlling and humiliating him that he could become, in his words, the fat pig that he's always dreamed of. His weight gain would turn him into a humiliating spectacle, and it would be through the dominatrix's control that he would become trapped inside his own body. The imprisonment within his own flubbery skin was his obsession. He said, you know, I'm ready to give up everything for this. I'll move away from my friends and family, change my work so I only have to work from home. This means no one will see the flabby mass that I become. I want to give you total control of my body. I know I said meeting his beady eyes. You must realise now that everything I do is good for you. When you're in my presence, everything means that I am correct. Do you consent to this? He was now halfway through his burger, and I nonchalantly picked up my crisp salad. Oh, absolutely, mistress. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. You're so wonderful and I'm so pathetic. I can't believe how beautiful you are. I'm in awe of you. I have no limits, but I believe you could push me to them. I want you to punish me. <laughs> I was thinking, in a way, actually, as you were saying that, that, that socialism actually, as a project, has like historically and like lamentably ignored desire as yeah. like a as a something as aspirational thing to sort of for um like to kind of base uh, an emancipatory politics upon mm. right it's it, socialism's sort of historically quite quite closely associated to kind of puritan and like uh, you know austerity yeah, the right have the best sex because they've because they've got more to hide and and I guess this is where like historically the kind of anarchists are kind of more appealing in a way because they're kind of well, I love about a bit of anarchy as well. I wouldn't totally describe myself as a socialist. Sure. And also any country you go to, the word socialist has a completely mm. different connotation. Yeah. Because yeah. when I think of like a British socialist, I don't. It's very different to what an American thinks a socialist is. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe in equality. And we're very, you know, not in our lifetime are we ever going to get to the kind of socialism that any of us want, but we can at least try and attempt that. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm a realist as well. You know, there's nothing I fucking despise more than a middle-class Marxist telling everyone what to do. Um, oh, but the, yeah, and like this kind of, yeah, we know better than... I don't know better right? than anyone, you yeah, know? And yeah. I, think, I think people really need to start fucking getting over that. It's like, you know, I think I'm a socialist, but just because I believe people, everyone has the right to work and have a roof over their head and to eat and feel that there is potential to humanity. Yeah. And that should be, you know, people should be able to believe and uh, want more from life. And that's what socialism should be about, is that life can have endless possibilities. It doesn't have to be as depressing as working for some big company and, like, having a wife that you can't stand and... You know, life should be as exciting as it possibly can be and we shouldn't be under such huge time restraints. Yeah. And that's what it is to me. But I think, you know, people getting uppity and being intellectually snobs is just the worst 
thing in the world because all it should be about is about caring about people and believing in people. Yeah, like mutual and, care. And yeah, and like believing yeah. in the good that people can do. Mm. And that's something that's really missing. Even though I dominate these crap men and a lot of them are like misogynistic and a bit pathetic, you know, there's, there's a kind of beauty in human vulnerability that you see when you see men behaving that way. And also it's like, I don't know, I see it as a Robin Hood thing. It's like, give it, give them, they should be giving me their money rather than spending it, you know, on loads of fucking cocaine or, you know, fucking horrible bits of shit furniture. Yeah, redistribution oh, of wealth. Oh, fucking lootly yeah. <laughs> nice. because you say that in a sense a dominatrix is the same it's a profession as, yeah, as a graphic designer for mm -hmm. instance it's a service but on the other hand then I guess you also point to what makes the difference is maybe the way that indeed uh, talking about sex is not um, yeah it's, it's connected to more shame or private space or whatever different mm -hmm. reasons so I guess um, I can imagine that because of you being open about it there's also you must also meet oh no this is a question Go like on. meet meet people aren't people also questioning that profession more than for instance your profession as a writer my life is very complicated yeah. and it's not something I've I haven't chosen the complication and as I as I've been I mean I've been open about being a dominatrix for probably about three years now yeah and I recently kind of came to this apex where I realized there was all this drama in my life constantly and I wasn't soliciting any of it it was more being projected at me yeah whether that was like an ex's new girlfriend or of someone I thought I was really good friends with. All these strange ideas are projected onto me because for me being that open about my sexuality is really threatening. Yeah. And, and you know, it's strange because people think with me being open about being a dominatrix, I must have all these creepy men stalking me, mm -hmm. right? That does not happen. What does happen is that women go fucking mental at me and men are too scared to speak to me. Yeah. Because people also can't Not all women, you know, but like I have had, I have certainly had some very, very, very strange experiences with women over the last year. Um, and then with men, romantically for myself, it's difficult because I think people can't switch off from the character in myself because obviously Mr. Rebecca is a character and mm. Reva Mabry is someone else. Mm -hmm. But I think also that's, that's really, it's really threatening. 
Because, you know, as women, we're taught to be scared of our sexualities. You know, like sex is something to be fearful of. We're constantly in fear of being sexually abused. So for me to be open about enjoying sex or being desirable, even if it's the character that's desirable and not my personal self, it's, it's really tough and people don't know what to do. But now I'm, I'm learning how to, it's taken its time, but I'm learning how to separate the character from my, my personal self. And for a while, you know, because I'm teaching and writing, so much of my life came about being dominant all the time. And it was, it's hard to learn how to switch off from it because I'll go and see a submissive, then I'll teach a class about yeah. politics, and yeah. then I'll have to go and write something. Yeah. There's something I need to talk to you about. We have previously discussed your political views. You've stated that you recently voted for the Conservative Party in the last election. I'm finding it difficult to connect these traditional ideas with your interest for fetish and female empowerment. Can you understand the dilemma between these concepts? Mistress, may I ask why you need to know about my views? What has this got to do with my feeding? I must understand all of my submissors' views and social backgrounds to truly grasp their masculinity. Humpty coughed and nodded. Then something strange happened. Where the submissive had been utterly obedient the whole evening, the aspects of his life which so far have only been stated as unfortunate advantages started to emerge. I was struck with that emotive feeling when you remembered the royal family actually exists, was coming to surface. Well, mistress, I knew that this current political party would do the best that it could for the market. In no way could the Labour Party save our economy. Humpty pushed his shoulders back, seemingly becoming more relaxed and confident in his blue-blooded delivery. If the country is financially stable, which Britain has not been, then the whole country can progress together. But these cuts to government spending have had to happen. So how is actually your... Because, I mean, now, before you came, we were sitting... I mean, also trying to look into a grasp. I mean, basically, the most accessible information is then what's online now. Where do you place yourself in, like, this online image that is uh, available of you when you say, like, you kind of have these different characters... Well, it's two. There's the real me, and then there's yeah. Mistress Rebecca. Like, the Instagram yeah. is, is Mistress Rebecca. That's not Reba Mabry. No. But, you know, I get clients from my Instagram, so I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm hardly going to put a picture of me cuddling a cat on there, am I? Because then that well, ruins the illusion. I mean, I can do depends that. Depends on how, know, you, had, how I, you cuddle. For me, <laughs> exactly <laughs> how I cuddle. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I've done recently. I do have a secret Instagram account now. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. it private? Yeah, of course it's private. <laughs> we can't let the submissive see that. Um, and that's just, you know, pictures of me, like, in bed, in my pyjamas, eating ice cream. With cats. With cats. And, like, my favourite, you know, and my favourite. And I just do that in the morning. Every morning I'll post a picture, too, of, like, a nice seal or a small pig to, like, just relax myself and remember, like, my soft side. Because <laughs> I am just, like, a very kind of normal person. And I yeah. think... And because this idea of the dominatrix is so extreme to so many people, they can't get past but, it. But that is actually also what's the most, um, like, coherent... So I get extreme things projected onto me. And yeah. that's what's crazy. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it does also... does does um, also quite a lot of interviews and talks for you, mm. which touch, are touching upon... The vulnerability. You know, also of you being a dominatrix mm, and, mm. and, I mean, different things about that. And so it also seems that... Which is kind of what, like, spurred us to not talk about it so much. Is it right, right off the bat? I, I no, guess. so well, that, that, thank I, you. That's sweet of you. It seems like 
I mean, well, it wasn't like we we had like a planning of about ten minutes before what we were actually going to talk about. <laughs> it's but, fine. Um, Honest processing. But but like it was like yeah, there seems to be quite a lot of this. Like you know, it seemed you know, I, if I was, I think you said if I was, I wouldn't want. Necessarily. Oh, it's like maybe nice not to have to talk only about that. Huh. Well, I mean, it's always interesting to talk about because every person I talk to about it always has something really interesting yeah. to say. Yeah. Because everyone has such like a different perspective of on sex, and the kind of sex I perform isn't physical. So, yeah, I thought about that because no. I read those. There was one of the interviews, and I don't remember which one it was, but where someone was asking, like, I guess, or was assuming that you did not have a normal sex life. Yeah. And um, and that's just in itself such a funny question because then what is because you know a normal I know, sex life you know the gay men I know have far more extreme sex than I do let's just put it that way I think that was a part of your yeah yeah answer, I mean really yeah. I just like cuddling like everyone else does but you know yeah people are too scared to come on to me or ask me out because they think that I am this character so I have kind of fucked myself over in a bit but I absolutely love my life and I love the work I do and. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for a thing, but I would like it if more men came on to me. So if you're listening, <laughs> out there. don't be scared. <laughs> you do have a secret Instagram profile. I do, so have, a, just, I do you're, have a secret you're Instagram. Out there. Do, yeah. It's just about I do like, I like cuddling. <laughs> I like Indian food. Ice cream in bed. If you've got a great taste of music, you know, left-wing <laughs> values. I like big noses. You know, <laughs> it's fine. As the waitress walked towards us with the check, I stood up and pulled my coat on. She hands him the card reader, and he placed his card on the machine as I did my buttons up. Give me your wallet, I said. He immediately handed it to me, and I took out some notes and handed them to the waitress. Then I looked at Humpty. I'm going now. Don't contact me again until you finish the piece of writing. Humpty shuddered in embarrassment, and blood rushed to his creamy, salmon-coloured face. Not expecting my swift departure, and not knowing whether to ask me to wait with him as he paid or not, he looked truly pathetic. I smiled at the waitress and thanked her while blanking Humpty and walking out of the diner. But then it was also quite nice to read your text contribution for Nexus because it's it's very different than uh, that one. What else? Yeah, we had read beforehand. Well, I think actually. it's about being like, and that's the other thing I've been thinking about a lot as well is. People, if people are just going to see me as this dominatrix, it's like, why, for women, it's almost like we can only kind of be, and this is where the feminism comes in, is we can just be one thing. We have to be remembered as that one thing in the same way that musicians are, like female musicians are. They are that stereotype or they are that stereotype. But for me, I want it to be like a multi, with my work, I want it to be a kind of multi-dimensional uh, aspect of the kind of female life. Mm -hmm. So the piece of writing I've written about is about, in a way, in, in some ways is about a reaction against me being a dominatrix because those accusations I've had against myself of being racist, misogynistic, transphobic, I think do kind of come from other people's subconscious where they think, oh my God, Reba's so extreme. She must love herself so much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and say this about her, but really I'm just as vulnerable as anyone else. So in a way, even though it's not actively about me being a dominatrix, it's about me being this kind of extreme person. But that is also why I think the self-awareness or like how you present yourself in media online can have such an extreme impact on people. But then that's what makes the work kind of interesting as well. And that's what I realize is that the more extreme it becomes, the people, it, you know, and in a way, all my work is about the reaction to the character. Yeah. And now I'm starting to do kind of more visual work and I've got, I've got a couple of exhibitions this year, which I'm really excited about. But I know in a way that I have become this performance artist without actively trying to be one. But that's how I have to see it now. I have to see it as two different things. Yeah. It's like there's Reba Mabry and then there's, there's Mistress Rebecca. Yeah. 
So the that's kind of a relief, actually, that you already do have. You do have two characters. I think this must be. Um, I mean, the scenario that you had, that everything was within your own name. Somehow, there's already a sort of certain. Well, I mean, that's what character. sex workers have. They have a, a different name. Because I mean, there's a really good reason for that because. You're never, you know, no one is ever constantly really desirable, right? Mm -hmm. No one's ever constantly really sexy, are they? It's like we all go through different feelings, different presentations of ourselves. We all transform into different visions of and feelings. So, but that domination thing is really interesting that you said because where does, you know, where, when does domination stop being sexy and when does it become threatening or when does it become detrimental? It's a... Uh, It's interesting. is a Fanfara production hosted by me, Charlie Clamos, and Freya Keir. The songs featured in the show were Erotic City by Prince, Love and Hate by Sly and the Family Stone, and Anti 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 by The Consumers. You can follow Fanfara Tete by subscribing on the podcast app. And I, 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 I,